0: Hello, everyone. It's Sean A. Barksdale of the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast. We're back once again with my esteemed guest and colleague, friend, brother, Mr. Larry Howerton Jr. What's up, bro? How you doing? Today, young man? I'm good. I, I'm good. That's I'm good. good. Um, <clears throat> we've been going in. And uh, if you have been tuning in, if you have not, Mr. Howerton uh, serves almost 26 years in prison. Uh, and he just the last episode he was detailing the incident um he went for uh first degree murder um and he was telling us about that incident what happened um you know in detail uh, go back and you can uh revisit that and here up to this point uh so <clears throat> now let's let's get you in custody right so where did they where did they pick you up from they didn't pick me up. Um, I went on the run
1: immediately after, on June, January the 28th. I went to Atlantic City, Okay. and um, while I up there, you know, I didn't really have nobody. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm running the streets and. What? Did,
0: how do you feel at the time? You're 16 on the run I'm in Atlantic. So you went by yourself. Yeah,
1: I was listening to Mob Deep. Um, music influenced me um you know mob d had a song and go on the run son and right you know stash the gun and all this stuff right. so I, I did everything like
0: this. they was, told you
1: that they told me to do right and um i ended up up there with a limited amount of money and um uh you know the police were scaring my family so it was like
0: they're they coming was, by your mama house. Coming hey, by my mama's house two hours
1: uh, girlfriends you know they go, come in watching it everybody yeah they was um putting pressure on them did you have a pager? One not cell phones back it then? Was, it was cell phones back then. It I didn't have neither one. I didn't have, I had my pager, but it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't work up there. Um, but it had, like, you know, pay phones and stuff back then, you know. Yeah. And, um So you were calling back? I was calling back and, you know, trying to get advice <clears> what <throat> to do and, you know, on. Um, uh, your level of fear. What was your level of fear? Sometimes I felt like when I was riding over the bridge, it's like just, you know, park the car right there and act like I committed suicide. Mm. Never thought about killing myself, but I was like, man, I just need to get away.
0: I just need to get away. You know, right. so I was And the world just wasn't big enough, as big yeah. as it is. Yeah,
1: I was right. like, um, You know, terrified. That's why I say I didn't initially. I didn't have that remorse that I should have had, where I should have. You just, just want to get away. Yeah, I should have right. just turned myself in. But like as a child, you don't think about. No, nah, right, right. You don't right. think about nothing but what you're taught. And I was being taught by the music. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. Um, and your environment. Yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, from there, so how do you get into custody? Um I called my um,
1: my my father, and um, they they came and picked me up, and they brought me back to uh,
0: Danville, and they turned me in. And um, once they turned me in, um, to, to walk I, because I want it's some youth somewhere that's going to hear this. Explain. If you can remember, as well as you can remember, that's, you know, been a little while ago. Oh, I can remember vividly. Really? Yes. Explain going into the police station. Well, going into the police station, when I walked
1: in, it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning on March 11th, 1996. And um, when I walked in, they came to me and they said, how may I, we help you? Mm. And I looked at the picture on the wall of me and then they said, Mr. Howerton, where have you been? And this was, like, six weeks later. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they was like, Mr. Howerton, where have you
0: been? I didn't know you was on the run that long. Yeah,
1: I was on the run for, like, six weeks. And, oh, wow. Um, and then, so they was like, Mr. Howerton, where you been? And I was like, um, I'm here to turn myself in. You know, I had already been informed. Don't talk to them except if you have a lawyer and so forth and so on. So they called a detective in on my case. And, um, you know, they asked me a few questions. And I didn't answer any because I didn't have a lawyer present. Um and then they uh, put the handcuffs on me and then I started crying, you know, when they start, they put the handcuffs on me and they took me to the juvenile detention home at this time when I was 16.
0: Mm. So, oh, so you went to juvenile joint? Detention home. Detention you know, home. This is
1: like waiting to hear right. what's going to happen to you, Right. you know, before you, the,
0: the innocent stage. Right. You so know. You're, you know anything about law at the time? Uh, not at the time. I didn't know anything about anything. Law. Nothing about law. Nothing. Okay. But so just
1: don't talk unless you're
0: just don't there. talk. Right. We taught. Don't say nothing. Yeah. Right. All right. So now you're there. So now you're in the mix. You're there. So now. Uh, court appointed. Did you have any money?
1: I didn't have any
0: money. Your family ain't had no money. No,
1: but they had to take a lot of time out of work to keep coming to um my hearings and so forth and so on. So okay. it, it hurt my mother a lot. No
0: bond, nothing like that. I had a hundred
1: thousand dollars secured bond, but at the time, you know, um, we didn't have the money to get out, and if we did have the money, it was like not a good idea for me to get out. Right. You know. Uh, right. Because of
0: what know, had happened. That had transpired. And who it was. Yeah. Got you. Um, okay, so no money, no education. Yeah, uh, which happens a lot in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, happened to me as well. So now you got a court-appointed lawyer. Yeah. All right. Um, what was that like? It was. Um, it was terrifying
1: because um, she wasn't that articulate, you know, and she was like, you know, very submissive. But um, but she say, knew. I mean, what she was like. I don't know how new she was, but she was like, like different like she stuttered a lot it was like mm. it wasn't it wasn't like i feel now that i deserved a juvenile specialist because i was a juvenile mm, right and no one in that courtroom special did they even have them at the time yeah they've always had juvenile specialists like really people that specialize in, in juvenile, juvenile cases cases okay and i feel that that's what should be supported appointed to um these kids that get in trouble today like a juvenile specialist that can specify and ensure that they have their rights
0: okay so so in that right there, let's talk about the juvenile specialist. Um, they've always had them. What you know of? How often does that happen? How often does ju- does a, a juvenile specialist get appointed to a juvenile?
1: I've rarely heard of it. I heard really. Yeah, I rarely. But they I, have them.
0: They have juvenile. So they're they, like like they getting paid to be it. Well, that you they're know going of. school
1: for it, like um really? Richmond School of Law, um, which we attended. They, they, right, they have juvenile specialists. Miss. Um, Julia McConnell that we met, she's a juvenile specialist. She specializes in juvenile law. Hmm. Yeah. So okay, that's something that you know people need to like when these kids go get locked up, either the parent or if they can afford it, look for a juvenile specialist because the um, statutes under six, Chapter Sixteen it has special rights for the juvenile that they have to go through certain procedures hmm. in the courtroom in the juvenile in the care and the custody of the juvenile court system oh wow yeah because once you commit, I didn't know that yeah once you commit a crime you are in the care and the it's literally the care and the custody of a juvenile system just as a person who is a child who's ready to be taken away from home they have to go through this juvenile system they need a juvenile specialist correct someone okay. specialized right this, in these cases
0: okay so that's out the window yeah. so now you just got a prosec- I mean uh, an attorney that mm-hmm. really is you know timid really you know not doesn't seem gonna represent you the way you need to be represented yeah and she's overwhelmed like she's this, overwhelmed
1: this, is, this lady is like everybody's lawyer like after everybody, I looked right. up I found out everybody said that was my lawyer then that was my lawyer right. then so she was I went to
0: court one time and uh, it was like the day before I was supposed to go to court and uh, they called me somebody else's name like the lawyer I had a a court appointed lawyer and they was like hey Ernie yeah. you know I was like I am sure yeah. <laughs> you know so this happens right and, um and this is something that we'll be able to talk about later on that happens in the system as well mm-hmm. they overwhelm the people with caseloads yeah. you know what i'm saying so here it is um you you have this extremely um you got first degree murder how, how why did it come down uh, from the circuit court for it to be first degree and not second or third. Well it starts at the juvenile domestic court when they filed
1: the uh, warrant but one one of the guys said that um that I had came to him and that I had asked him to do something. This is guy totally told, told a total told lie. Hmm. He had eleven felons. He was facing eleven felons and he came to him and he said um I had came to him to get him to do something to the guy he said he wasn't gonna do nothing to the guy and I pulled up my shirt and showed him a black nine millimeter and told him that I'm gonna go take care of it. This was a, a lie. You know, i have done my time. There's no reason to lie about it. That guy claimed he the claim that he made made it seem as if I premeditated. Oh, you premeditated had it. Got yeah, it. and thought this out and it and it taught it told his family that this was what I was doing. And I never did that. I never oh, went wow. to this guy and asked him to do anything he was just trying to come from under his felons and later on the same guy testified on another juvenile and got that juvenile a death penalty you is know? he dead no the juvenile um they they've passed laws where the juvenile court, oh you know, um his name was lavar walton he couldn't be murdered but he's still on life he still has life oh wow yeah i know um, wow you know he 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 did his crime but they intentionally put um, this guy in the room with this juvenile, right. this juvenile was right. saying certain
0: things. Gotcha. And the guy got on the um, stand, and um, you know, and it was oh wow, him, yeah. unbelievable, man. Um, and this happens, this happens. I've seen that happen as well. Uh, being in, in 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 jails, and you know, people being planted, and they just take the the word of an individual. Yeah, that is shouldn't be credible. Yeah, his, you, he was no, he
1: was. They asked him on the stand. Was he ever convicted Of moral turpitude And he was convicted Of moral turpitude Many times Oh wow And they still You know Accepted his testimony
0: Right Yeah Ladies and gentlemen This has been another Powerful episode Of 10 Minutes of Truth Uh, Please tune in Next week As we continue Along this uh, Journey And road With Mr. Howerton Thank you Representation Is extremely important And sometimes It has to be civil And sometimes It has to be criminal If you need help in these areas, please call Mike Trent of the Trent Law Practice. He can be found at 7S Main Street, Halifax, Virginia, 24558. And that phone number is 434-471-4339. If you want to get it right, call Mike.